Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Hey, Jigalona theme, what have you seen? Oh, that was clever. You re- you took the thing and you made it work. And I made favorite. it my own thing because yeah. your name rhymes. Demon seem rhymes. So yeah. Yeah. you okay. try doing it with for me. Oh, God. I, but you had but some I time to think about gigolo. this. This is putting me on the spot. Would I be a gigolo, though? You'd be Isn't prostitute Mita. <laughs> no, I think the other, gigolo, the other prostitute in the movie is named Gigolo Jane. Is it? Yeah, that's what the, I think. The... the one who has one line. Mm-hmm. But Gigolo is a male prostitute. That's what I thought too. But maybe in the future it's something different. I know. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? These are questions for future, Mita and Nadim. Yeah. But present Nadim would like to know, Mita, how are you doing? I am living and breathing th- through my nose. And yes. I, can, I can feel the I can feel the pressure building up there right now. So oh. we'll see how how it goes. I think it, it, the weather just got colder. Yeah. And. Uh, my body is reacting to it. My body. But I'm okay. I've yeah. got my vids shots. I got my flu shots. I should be good. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Nadim, how are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. Yeah. Are you living and breathing? I'm also... No, I'm... What was it? I had a good one. Oh, you lost it. <laughs> I was, and anyways, it'll come back. But it was a good okay. one. And I said it one episode and you, you loved did. it. Do you remember it? Nope. No. Fine. <laughs> Must have not been that great. Yeah. No, so. it was pretty good. You loved it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Mita, you have a story to tell that I'm very excited about. I don't know why you're so excited about this, but it's a callback to yes. one of our older episodes in which I made pork for dinner and mm-hmm. Nadim was like utterly fascinated by the fact that I made pork because Nadim, you have never tasted pork. Ever. Not even actually accidentally. A lot of Muslims have at some point eaten pork accidentally because it just happens. You order a pizza and there's suddenly bacon on it and you don't know. And you don't know what it tastes like. You're just like, what is this saltiness that I've never tasted before? Mm, but okay. I, I have never come across that. Oh, okay. Well, I when I had told you about this the last time we talked about it, mm-hmm. I forgot that you had never tasted pork. So mm-hmm. that's why I was so taken aback. As to why you oh, wanted okay. to know how I made pork. <laughs> and I was like, what is wrong with him? But then on Saturday, I had a HelloFresh box mm-hmm. in which the meal was like, it was banh mi or bunless banh mi salad or something okay. like that. Um, which if you don't know, banh mi is a Vietnamese sub and it's very good. And if you can have one, go get one. But this was like a pork patty and it had like garlic and ginger and hoisin sauce in it and like it was a pre-made uh, patty no like it um so hellofresh gives you a sponsor us hellofresh <laughs> hellofresh gives you all the ingredients and then you make it yourself yeah yes but i added like three times the amount of garlic they told you and yeah. three times the amount of ginger that they told you and i have to say I was eating this patty and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish Nadim could eat this <laughs> patty because it was so good. Yeah, nice. And I just wanted to tell you about that. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yep. I'm always fascinated about pork stories. I don't know why. Well, it, it was quite nice. I also ate it with like, I made a spicy mayo. I bought a lot of hot sauces recently. Yeah, I saw on your Instagram. <laughs> because I've also become addicted to hot ones on YouTube. Okay. Have you ever watched no. it? No? Okay, I'm going to make you watch a bunch of them. Okay. Do you know what it is? No. Oh, should I explain? We have time. It's our podcast. <laughs> Go on. Hot Ones, if you've never seen it, is a talk show that's on YouTube um, in which the host, his name is Sean Evans, he and a celebrity guest, they have 10 chicken oh, wings yes. in front of them. I've heard of this. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. And the chicken wings are coated in hot sauces and it goes from like a mild one to an extremely hot one. And he interviews these celebrities as they're eating these chicken wings. Yeah. And as the intensity of the heat of the chicken wing so the progresses, questions. so do the questions. And there was a lot of celebrities who like can't make it to number 10. And so I was inspired to buy some okay. hot sauces that have been featured on Hot Ones. And there's one really good one that I'm going to share with you, and you should have it. It's called. It's from Heartbeat. 
Okay. Which is, it's made in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Oh, that's cool. And it's a pineapple habanero hot sauce. That sounds nice. It's really good. And I put that on, with some mayo on the patty and it was okay. really good. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I also had something else I wanted to talk about. Is it Taylor Swift? No, I'm not. I'm going to, no, I won't bore people with my Taylor Swift and. Uh, I think you need to talk about Amitha because you forced us to post about it yesterday on Instagram. We didn't. It was indirectly about it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you explain to me and our listeners who might not be Taylor Swift fans? Talk to me about what's happening right now with Taylor Swift. So Taylor Swift up until what was the last album? Reputation. Oh, okay. No, because Lover, Evermore and Folklore are her own. Up till Reputation. Okay. She didn't own any of that music. She made it under a different label Mm -hmm. that she didn't own herself. And so then when the option for her to buy that music came about, she was really adamant, like, I want to buy my back my own music. And it got sold to Scooter Braun, who owns like Big Time Machine. I think that's what it's called Mm -hmm. or whatnot. He bought it and there was this whole disagreement between them of like, dude, this is my music. Let Mm -hmm. me have it. Like, what are you doing? And him kind of being mystic in the mud and me like, no, I own the Taylor Swift music. Mm -hmm. And so that what that means is anytime you listen to that song, anytime it's played on a TV show, anytime it's on TikTok, that money does not go to Taylor Swift. And that's really unfair. So what she decided to do was re-record all of her first five albums. Yeah. And she started earlier this year, she came out with Fearless, which was one of her earliest albums. And it was like, it was really good. It was fun and exciting. But Fearless came out when she was like, I. it came out when I was in high school, like yeah. 14, 15. So she must have been like 16, 17 at the time. It's like You Belong With Me, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. It's like early Taylor Swift. drops on my guitar. Exactly. Well, no, not that early. That's okay. earliest. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It was exciting, but it's not like a really exciting album yeah. to be pumped about. I think Red is like the first major album of hers red was her first one that was like a a mix of country music and pop music and sort of and then that's what led to 1989 so it's a big album it was it's filled with heartbreaking songs and also really fun teen songs and it's about some like juicy relationships that she was the jake gyllenhaal and the john mayer album no the john mayer album is speak now okay this is like, it's mainly Jake Gyllenhaal. It could also be, um, she dated a Kennedy. It could okay. be about him. I think there might be a little bit of Harry style in there, just like a baby bit. Yeah. And there's somebody else that it's slipping my mind. Are any of the but, songs yeah. different or she just re-recorded them and now it's under like Taylor Swift's Red kind of thing? So they she's made small changes to them and you can, I haven't listened through the entire album like mm-hmm. side by side. There's small changes. There's some where she's like, toned down the country a little bit okay. there's somewhere she's amplified it kind of okay but so now all the songs are whatever their original name was and then in parentheses taylor's version so anytime you listen to one of those the money will go to her okay and all of taylor swift fans are going to make sure that that's what they do obviously yes but red is also like a big deal because the best the best taylor swift song in my opinion is all too well mm-hmm. which is the song about jake gyllenhaal and it's a very emotional and raw song, and it's very well written. Okay. And she released a 10 minute version of this song. Oh, God. And it's no, but like it doesn't feel too long. Okay. It's the perfect song to have for 10 minutes because it feels like you're listening to somebody's story. It's like li- reading a book, listening to the song. Mm. Like you're you're in it. Okay. And she's also released this like music video to go along with it. Mm. And like it's a it's a big deal in the Taylor Swift culture right now. And so okay. I've been living and breathing red for okay. the last few days. Okay. But yeah. It's a big it's a big important part in Mita's life and I felt like we should address it. I feel like I'm gonna be judged because I love Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift is like it's interesting because that whole idea, you feel you sympathize with her and you are impressed at how smart she is for doing this. She is a and great businesswoman. That is super, super smart and good of her to like reclaim her mute. Like that's a really, that's really business savvy and like very clever. It actually clever. was Kelly Clarkson's idea. Oh, good for Kelly Clarkson. So, yeah, she tweeted at her. She was like, re-record them. Give them new pictures to go along with the songs. Yeah. And, and then she did it. And she did it. Yeah. I, yeah, so there's that, but then... A woman who's kind of built her career and not like continued to do so, but a lot like what percentage of her original music is about her breakups with men 
a good percentage of it. Yeah, yes. and I think that yeah. that's a, like a for a, for someone who is a role model for young women. That's good, and especially because like she did a lot of famous men. It's kind of like but, a, and her later music is much more interesting. I, I find like you can mm-hmm. tell that she's aged and matured in the music as a result. I think it's 1989 is probably her best album. It's her most like yeah, it's my favorite, and I think it's her most like poppy, but also like accessible. It has a maturity to it. Yeah, like I really like Blank Space. Like I really, really like Blank Space. I think it's a great song, but it's also not about a man. Like it's about a relationship, but it's not about a specific human being. It's about the general idea. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, like, so a lot of these, like, she she has had series of relationships and as she has every right to but she's capitalized on that as well yeah so but those are also assumptions made by people like this one's about this person and that. yeah but she also hasn't denied it she also hasn't admitted it mm, she's it, the carly simon of our of our i think there's a time. difference between like adele who has an entire album devoted to the breakup with a single man but that's kind of the case is that like she took a single relationship that affected her dramatically and then turned that into was it 21 or 23? It's 19, 21, 25, now 30. So it must have been 21 then. 21 is Rolling in the Deep, that album. Yeah. So that's the album where she broke up with the guy and it's like all of the emotions that went through that. Yeah. I think that's. It's just very different. Also, that music is a little bit more sophisticated, I'd say. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I just I've also grown up with Taylor. Yeah, that's fair. Like, yeah, you grow up with her as an artist. And like, I will say listening back to Red, I'm like, this is such a hodgepodge of an album (laughs) because there's like all those like tearjerkers. And then there's like all these like 22. (laughs) Like, (laughs) What is this? This is a hot mess of an album. But she's come out now and said like, but when she wrote that when she was like 1920, like, yeah, she was a hot mess of a person. Yeah, and I think that's that's fair. fair. Yeah. Not everyone can be Adele and have like a succinct emotion about like one human being. Like it, it doesn't work that way for everyone. So yeah, it doesn't. But that's enough about Adele and Pork and Taylor Swift. I feel so bad. I monopolized no, the conversation. I wanted to hear your things though. Okay, I have more, but okay. Okay. You can oh yeah, you did. Did you want to talk about that, or you want to hold on to it? Just that one thing. I just want to put it out in the okay. world because I'll forget next week. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I asked you a question earlier today and you straight up ignored it. Oh, yeah. Have you ever watched Dexter? I have not. You have not. Okay. Interesting. Well, last night. There's a new Dexter series, right? There's a new Dexter series. It's called Dexter New Blood. Mm. Mm. Interesting. We did like a Keith Morrison like kind of sound there. I liked it. I I thought you had watched it, so I thought this would be more exciting. But (laughs) (laughs) maybe I will. But I feel like I also know I've read a lot about Dexter over the years for some reason. Not the way that I hadn't heard stuff about like The Sopranos Mm, or Downton Abbey or Mad Mad Men. I watched a lot of television last year. You really did. Yeah, I caught (laughs) up on a lot of big things. Well, maybe you should do it again and start something new. Start Dexter. Well, I was going to do. I was actually, my like next in line was The Wire is where I was thinking of going. Oh, you should do that before yeah. you do Dexter. Yeah. 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 Well, what I was going to say is this new series came out, Dexter New Blood. And I, I watched the original series. I watched it from the beginning mm-hmm. to the end. I hated the end. Um, like everyone. And I was like, like everyone. I was like, let's just see what this is about. And I am so excited <laughs> about good, it. Good for you. It's very exciting. It's tonally, it's it's very different, but it's also in a completely different setting. Like the original series is set in Miami. So there's a lot of like vibrancy juxtaposing like this really dark genre. But yeah. this is set in like upstate New York, like in the woods. So okay. it's a lot colder yeah. of a series. I think that's a good way to put it. But I like that they are like, they're bringing the series. It, it, it's not that it's dated, but there were things that could definitely have changed. And they're doing that with this one. And like they're listening to the people, I feel like, and I'm, I'm nice. very excited about it. So I decided today that I'm going to rewatch Dexter okay. from the beginning. And so I'm just letting everyone know. Are you also going to watch And Just Like That? <laughs> it's coming out next month. I'm going to watch it because yeah. like I have to, yeah. right? Yeah. Like I, I can't not no, watch I know. it. That's true. But I also don't want to I, you know I have a love-hate relationship with Carrie Bradshaw. I know, I know. And you know I feel that Samantha is that show. That show is not as enjoyable without Samantha. I mean, that remains to be seen. And I can see the trepidation, but that we have to 
We have to let things organically happen before we can form that opinion. That's fair. I'm going to watch it and I bet you a dollar. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm going to be like, we need some Samantha. But yeah. But Mita, it's time (laughs) for now segue. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we can talk about our movie. Segue to the movie that I segued to like four minutes ago. But now we're actually here. This week, (laughs) we watched Nadim's first pick for the holiday season. Oh, yeah. Exactly. So we watched Steven Spielberg's AI Artificial Intelligence. We oui, we. Oui. Would you like a discro? I would like a discro. All right. A highly advanced robotic boy longs to become real so that he can regain the love of his human mother. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is AI, <laughs> which was released in two thousand and three. One. Was it one? one. I think it's two thousand one. Okay. Yeah. I was watching something else that released in 2003. <laughs> but anyways, 2001. So it's been 20 years officially. Let me explain why yeah, I picked AI. Yeah, why don't you tell me why you chose AI for First us. of all, let me explain why I picked it for the holiday season. <laughs> yeah. I watched AI when it came out in the summer yes. of 2001 and then never again. And then in my head, this movie took place around Christmas or had a scene that involved Christmas or something about Christmas. Turns out that was completely wrong. <laughs> so I had no real reason to put this here. It just ended up here. I, I was mean, it, convinced, it could have happened though. during Christmas, though. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, but it yeah. doesn't make it a holiday movie, though. I honestly <laughs> thought I was convinced the end took place at Christmas. I don't mm-hmm. know why. I just was. So I was wrong. Maybe the ice. <laughs> yeah. I was wrong. This had nothing to do with the holiday season. Here we are. I picked AI for our first movie of holiday season. You know what, though? Mm -hmm. When you did pick this, I thought, oh, yeah, this this kind of movie must have come out at the end of the year. Like This must have been a December release. That's also what I thought. Also wrong because it was June. No, this. Yeah, it wasn't. There was no reason this movie (laughs) should have been here. But here it was. There we go. But now the reason I picked it. So, (laughs) okay. A lot of the movies on my list and a lot of the movies I have you watch are meant to be movies that have influenced me in a significant way or movies that I love, either because of how they were made or how they made me feel emotionally. AI was a movie I picked because of the film history of it. Hmm. I think as a film buff, you should see this because it's a fascinating film. The history of it is actually like how it came to be is actually very fascinating. Yes. So before we even go into the film, we're going to, mm-hmm. Mita and I will break down kind of the history of AI. Yes. Because AI was actually meant to be Stanley Kubrick's movie that he would have made mm-hmm. after Eyes Wide Shut had he not yes. passed away. But he did would, pass away. Would well, he have made it? Or I, he... I think I think he would have. Okay. Maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. But AI yeah. was always a Stanley Kubrick film. And then... This is a... Yeah. Yeah. And he had written it back in like... it must Was it the 70s or the 80s? Or it was a he long He had time. it over a long period, a long of, period time of time. He was working on it. Yeah. And he handed it to Steven Spielberg because he felt like it was more Steven Spielberg's sentimentality to make. Mm-hmm. But there were also things about how technology hadn't caught up to what they felt the movie should be. There was a treatment written... For the, the movie that Stanley Kubrick approved or had written. And it's that yeah. treatment that was used to write the screenplay for this film. After Stanley Kubrick died, Stanley Kubrick's family went to Steven Spielberg and said, we want you to make this movie. To complete it. To complete it. And Steven Spielberg then did. And I think uh, Stanley Kubrick retains an executive producer or producer credit yes. on this movie. And so what resulted is this movie. That is so polarizing. It's so fascinating to watch this film because it literally feels like two people made this movie. It feels like Stanley Kubrick and Steven Spielberg made this movie. But when you read the history and you read kind of what they say about this movie now, what you think is Stanley Kubrick and what you think is Steven Spielberg are exactly the opposite. So I have always felt that this movie was a really fascinating experiment in filmmaking and kind of what came of a movie, what became of this movie that was meant to be written by, you know, one man, meant to be directed by one man and was ended up being directed by another. These two filmmakers who were such good friends, but 
could not be on further ends of the spectrum of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of what we ended up with. So I always felt this was fascinating. My opinion of the movie is something else. Dun, dun, dun. So what I want to know first yeah. is, did you know this history before uh, watching it? Um, so I turned the movie on. Okay. Because you had mentioned to me at the end of last week after we talked, you were like, don't look at the IMDb, yeah. don't do anything. And I was like, okay. And I turned the movie on and literally like the first thing that appears is a Stanley Kubrick production. Yeah. And then my brain switched on and was like, oh, yeah. right. I did know this. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I did know this. And what I will say, the second that switch turned on, it tarnished the entire, entire movie experience, for me. right? Yeah. Yeah. Because the whole time I was thinking like, Stanley Kubrick? Like, this is not what he would have done. What yeah. is this? What's happening here? Like, this doesn't feel right. This feels like Steven Spielberg trying to make a Stanley Kubrick movie. And I wish I could, like, go back and erase that memory from my mind yeah. so I could actually try to sit and enjoy this. But I I did know it subconsciously, and then it appeared, and it did yeah. ruin it for me. It's hard to watch it once you know that. Yeah. Because I can't picture myself like going in blind. Yeah, because you would have watched it as a Steven Spielberg movie and been like, okay, well, this is interesting. And like some things I think would have stuck out. But otherwise, I think you could have experienced it as a Steven Spielberg movie. But to know that Stanley Kubrick was behind this Mm -hmm. and then to come into that to be like, oh, this is. Yeah. And and like, I think what I found the most interesting, the conversation that you and I have always when it comes to Stanley Kubrick is like what he puts his actors through yeah. in order to get certain types of performance. Yeah. And the performances in this, I will give it up to Haley Joel Osment. Yeah. Like, way to go, HJO. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. Way to, like, impressive for a child of yeah. his age. But, like, even watching, like, Francis O'Connor and Jude Law and, like, even the voice chosen for the teddy bear, <laughs> like those sorts of things. I just, the whole time I was like, I don't think he would have made these decisions. I think this, like he would have hammered something into Francis O'Connor yeah. to get her to act differently. Like it just didn't feel like a Stanley movie. You know, the one way it did feel like a Stanley movie and this, I, the movie is essentially broken down into three very distinct acts. Mm-hmm. So you have the first act where this this movie is essentially about this this couple who has a son who is cryogenically frozen. We are in like the future future right now. And something's happened in the world in which there are like humans and yeah. there are robots. There are robots in the world. Yeah. And so essentially what happens is this couple is given the opportunity to have a robot son. They take it and they try to start raising this robot as their own son. And the whole thesis is whether a robot can love and then whether humans can love robots in return. What happens is the couple's son essentially makes a resurgence. The relationship doesn't work. The robot is then essentially, what's the word I'm looking for? Banished. Yeah. From their, abandoned. Abandoned into the, yeah. into the world. And then we start act two where this robot is essentially trying to find a way to become a real boy because there's like a insane Pinocchio <laughs> complex going on. There's with a this. fable that was told yeah, to this boy. It's, yeah. It's just, that's like a real hot mess so of a story. That's the middle. And then at the end, he has frozen. I can't even talk about this with a straight face. He has frozen underwater because he's a robot and the human race is gone. He and now Captain aliens, America's. <laughs> yeah. And now aliens are literally running the world and they, they find his frozen body. He thaws and essentially, they give him one opportunity to become a real boy. It's mm-hmm. so, like, it's so convoluted and there's so much crap going on. Yeah. There's a lot of that, really... But that, all this to say, this is the only way it felt like a Stanley Kubrick movie. It felt very much like 2001. Like, it felt like Act 1, monkeys. Act 2, flying. And then Act 3, the com- you know, crazy computer. Like, it yeah. felt really distinct in that way. But other than that... Nothing. I felt like there were small hints of it. Yeah. In terms of the ideas, because there's a lot of really interesting ideas here. But when you meld them together, it's like really gross. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like specifically this whole idea of this robot boy being introduced to the family and then the original son, the prodigal son mm-hmm. 
essentially returning. Yeah. I thought like, oh, like, is that is this what this movie about? Like, this is really interesting, especially because the real son is a evil dick. little shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He also is played by, I just have to say this, he's played by um, the little brother from the Lizzie McGuire show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Which I was just like, oh, it's Lizzie's brother, whose name I'm forgetting. But anyways, that that, I was like, oh, this is a really interesting story of like this brother against brother kind Mm -hmm. of scenario. Like what's going to happen here? And then that idea gets abandoned. Then we're introduced to like this futuristic world, which I'm very confused by because the world that... What's the boy? David, mm-hmm. that's Haley Joel Hassan's character, was living with like Henry and Monica and Martin. That world looked like what you and I live in. It yeah. looked like the suburbs. It looked very like 21st century. Yeah. But then <laughs> you shift into like to meeting Jude Law's character, character Gigolo Joe, and he's like in the future and it looked like Blade. Blade Runner. Runner, like it was just like what is this like it was again it was all the things coming at you it's like this is space and it's like what like how how (laughs) this is the future this is the future read it like it's it's neon pink guys but like how are these two worlds coexisting at one time like is this what this is what city life is and that is what the suburbs are like i didn't quite understand that i did when we meet you law's character jiccolo joe he we meet him when he like comes across this like serial killer played by Veronica Mars' dad. <laughs> is he a serial killer? Is he? He's a murderer. He murdered that that woman. I thought that was his wife. I thought he was just a murderer. I mean, that's Maybe not even I'm, clear. It's not even clear <laughs> no, what he is exactly. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting yeah. story. Like, is this like about a guy who's going to be framing Jude Law for yeah. like all these murders? But then the movie's not about that. The idea that humans are then destroying robots in this like monster rally kind of construction. Yeah. I was like, that's really cool too. But that's just like a glimpse. <laughs> and like there's nothing yeah. there. It, there's all these like different things that would be so interesting if yeah. they were explored properly mm-hmm. and explored by the right kind of person. Yeah. And the whole time I was thinking, I was like, why did Stanley Kubrick think that Steven Spielberg needed to do this? Like, why did he feel like there needed to be that sort of family touch to the movie? And I was like, this doesn't make sense. I think it's because largely the the whole idea that this boy is looking for quote-unquote love, like real love, and it's a really... The the prime relationship is between David and his mom. And so I think that's really where he was going with it, because Stanley... Mm -hmm. Steven Spielberg really does those relationships that's a big part of his like mo and stanley kubrick was didn't care about the relationship per se he cared about the story that was that was more his his thing and i do find it super interesting because i think if stanley kubrick had actually made this so there's a couple of things stan steven spielberg says that the light things in this movie were actually more stanley kubrick so the Mm -hmm. end with the aliens He's saying that that is not Steven Spielberg, that that is Stanley Kubrick, even though that reeks of Steven Spielberg, like reeks. It's exactly what he would do. Do you you ever see the Indiana Jones, the new one with Shia LaBeouf with the effing aliens at the end? It's so awful. It's such an awful film. It completely Mm -hmm. ruins that trilogy. That whole trilogy. Well, I don't count. We don't count it. We don't count it, but it's so terrible. Like, mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be aliens in anything. And I remember seeing this in th- a theater, and it was a generally, like, packed crowd. And people, like, groaning when the aliens came out. It just, they booed. Just, I booed. Yeah, it's so cheesy. <laughs> and yeah. for... It just seems very much like what Stanley Kubrick would do. Sorry, Steven Spielberg. I keep on mixing these men up. <laughs> Stop tarnishing his name. <laughs> I know. And We're going to get sued by his estate. <laughs> Steven Spielberg says that the flesh fair is actually his idea. Yeah. And I don't buy that people, either. People have backed him up, though. There have been people yeah. who backed up Steven Spielberg and said, no, he's actually telling you the truth. But I think that's what the problem is, because I do think if Stanley Kubrick wanted to set out to make sort of this lovely film with this heart, I think he would have found out a way to do it without making it complete and utter, utter cheese. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg, yes, he's taking these dark themes but he makes them completely cheesy as well. And so when you take cheese and you take more cheese in terms of a sandwich, yeah, that's great. But in a movie, no. You need meat. <laughs> it doesn't work. No. You need some meat. And Stanley brings the meat. Stanley brings the meat. And also, yeah. it's such a PG movie that does, that should not be PG. 
Like you're talking about the red light district and sex workers and things like that. There's no nudity. And this is the first time I'm going to say this. There should have been nudity. Well, who is this movie made for? That's yeah. what I kept asking myself. Absolutely. It's such like, a, is like, it made for kids? Because there's a talking teddy bear. There's a talking teddy bear. Like When I watched it this time and certain that teddy bear came out, I was just like, oh, right. This is <laughs> in here. Bear, let me tell you guys something. This teddy bear is utterly adorable. He is so cute. He's an animatronic teddy bear. Yeah. He walks around. It's like adorable. And then when you hear his voice, it's like he's been smoking 50 packs <laughs> of cigarettes a day. I actually like that it's... about the bear, that he has this like old man voice. <laughs> but it's this total like discord from what the bear actually is. And like, it, I know you don't watch the Avengers or the Marvel movies, but have you seen the Rocky raccoon character? That Bradley yeah, Cooper yeah, yeah. voices. From yes. Guardians of the it, Galaxy. It reminds me of that at all. But in Guardians of the Galaxy, he's still a rough kind of guy. Like yeah. you get where this like harsh voice is yeah. coming from. And this is just like this is this is such a disconnect of what the imagery of what this bear is supposed to be. This is supposed to be his like one companion, his yeah. guide. He's gonna guide him through this and make tell him everything is gonna be okay. And he's like this hardened old man voice. Like yeah. <laughs> doesn't make sense whatsoever. Is he the narrator too? I don't even know. I, I, the narrator <laughs> is so out of place too with the weird British <laughs> accent and like it's it's full of so many good ideas and yes. tarnished by so many bad ideas. The movie starts off with the most on-the-nose introduction to any essay. In this thesis, we will talk about. Like, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. It's the, today I will tell you. <laughs> yeah, today I will tell you that this movie is about whether pe- robots can love people and what love is. Like, it's, I was just, yeah. it's just so ridiculous to watch. But then it doesn't, the thesis is a hot mess by the end It's of a it. hot like mess by the yeah. end. And then by the time we get to the second act break where he's underwater and then the narrator is <laughs> like, and he waited. And he waited, and I'm just like, what is going on? Who thought these were good ideas? Who thought this was a good way to make a movie? And it's interesting because when I watch this and I experience it, my gut is not Stanley Kubrick screwed up. It's, oh, Steven Spielberg really dropped the ball on this. Mm -hmm. What could have probably been a really good idea from Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick. And I really, I don't know why he felt like he needed to seek he had to outsource this because i think i I, i'm dying to see what he would have done i know he had done it himself i think that would have been so fascinating and but then while i was watching it i was thinking to myself like who's a director today that could take something like this i I know that's exactly (laughs) what i was gonna say is that did he could could take the story and he could still have heart yeah and it's just it's comp- it's the heart in this is just so cheesy. cheesy. I can't think of another word to describe it. And it's, it's melodramatic. So, it's, it's but so this ridiculous. isn't a melodrama, so it doesn't work. No, but again, back to who is this movie for? Who's like, do kids for? watch it's such this? A good do adults watch this? Yeah. Like, who who is watching this and thinking like, oh, I really love artificial intelligence. It really <laughs> hits the spot. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, nothing about this movie hits the spot. It also feels incredibly long. Mm-hmm. It, there's no cohesion to the story. It feels like three distinct acts and three distinct stories. And what bothered me the most was that the, the connecting thread of storyline is this Pinocchio-ness of it. Like, it's so <laughs> it's so flimsy. It's almost as if he had these ideas. I honestly feel that, like, Stanley Kubrick had an idea, a treatment was made, and then a screenplay was made of that. Like, there was no f- idea to how to finesse it or how to, yeah. like enhance well, it or so make it something better what's at stake here what's at stake what's at, like do i really care that this robot boy yeah. you made it clear he's a robot is looking for his family i think it would have been interesting if we had just seen that like maybe they adopted a child and we learned later that he was a robot like i think there's yeah. a little bit more heart there but we know from the beginning like it's not real he's not a real per- he's pinocchio yeah. oh my god i i got it to did you just figure that out? <laughs> no, but yeah, like <laughs> I knew it, but I never, I hadn't said it out loud. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But anyways, he's not real. He's a fake boy. Why do I care if he makes it back to his mom who left him in the woods? Like yeah, she abandoned him. She abandoned him. If she really cared, she would have been on the run with him. And then they would have gotten the father and like the creator yeah. and all these people coming after the two of them, not him and his teddy bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also don't... I'm going to rewrite artificial <laughs> intelligence. I also yeah. don't understand why Jude Law is in this. 
Yeah. That character is so pointless. Like, what was the point? Yeah. He doesn't do any, like, he helps him on this adventure. He could, he's a robot. He can figure it out on his own. No, I know. And that, again, it just comes down to the fact that there's so many interesting ideas. And it's kind of, and this is sometimes something Steven Spielberg does, is he just shoves the movie full of, like, ideas. He's he's not someone who has control, which is interesting because some of his movies, some of his best movies, like Schindler's List, or I'm a huge fan of Minority Report. I think it is the most anti-Steven Spielberg movie. That you'll ever see. Yeah. because it's, But it's directed by Steven Spielberg because it has constraint. It is meant for adults. It is not about anything cheesy. Everything mm-hmm. about it feels very, like, the stakes are very high. Like, everything feels very, like, dynamic. Whereas the emotions in this feel so forced. Like, everything feels so, like, thrown upon and... I don't know. It just nothing about this worked. He's so interesting, though, because like he has this world renowned name. People place his name with being one of the best directors of all time. But it's like, is he, though? Is he, though? Because he has more misses than he does have hits. Yes. And like, I think it would be really interesting. Maybe we should do this in a future season to just do like all of his movies. Right, because it would just there's such a there's a broad range. Like he's hit a bunch of different genres. Like he's and he's still going. He's gonna do his first musical this year, but I don't know why he's so synonymous with being so world renowned. Like why do people obsess over? It? Like why is there a whole TV show called Dawson's Creek where the main yeah. character is obsessed with becoming Steven Spielberg? Yeah, like why is that a thing? Like it should be somebody wanting to be Neville Nip. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it should Nadeem's be. Nadim's Creek. Or, but even, like, to be timely, like, he would, could have wanted to be Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Like, that would have been made so much more sense. More I don't sense. Under, I also don't understand because Steven Spielberg, especially, like, he has a movie here and there. Yes, he made E.T. Yes, he made, like, Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. He does have important films to his film. The Color Purple. The Color Purple. He has Jaws. Like, he does have those, but he has a lot of duds in between. Have you ever tried to watch Lincoln again? No. It's so (laughs) so boring. boring. Uh, I don't like Bridge of Spies. No. Um, I don't don't love War of the Worlds. I don't love Munich. No, no. Nope. Uh, The Terminal. Do you remember The Terminal? I do. I don't hate The Terminal. You like The Terminal? No, I don't hate The Terminal. I think it's, I think it has its charm. He wasted Catherine Zeta-Jones, and I will not forgive him for that. It was a very underwritten role. Yeah. I can't think of anything else he's directed anymore. That's an interesting season (laughs) idea, though, Mita. Maybe we go through Steven Spielberg's entire filmography. I think there's at least 50, right? Maybe not 50. Maybe 25. I think he has at least 50 movies. I don't know. I... I have always felt his movies were overrated, but people talk about him with such reference that it almost felt like... You weren't allowed to say. Hmm, I think he's kind of he's overrated. Not he's yeah. overrated. He's overrated. He's flat out yeah. overrated as a filmmaker. But and if I you think... want to sponsor us, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen, by the way, I love you. <laughs> we think you're the greatest. <laughs> think you're the greatest. <laughs> I also think that something like Schindler's List gets a lot of love because of the subject matter. And it's very mm-hmm. hard to separate that film from the content. Like no. to look at it as a piece of film, I think it's kind of gross. And I think that's how people, you can't watch Schindler's List and be like, Yes, it's an important film about a very sad time in our history, but like the story doesn't work and there's this and you can't watch it like that. You're not allowed to. So no no one does. But when you think about it, why is that girl in red? Just saying. (laughs) And like, I love Jurassic Park. I literally. Jurassic Park I love, yes. My my reward as a child for not scratching when I had chicken pox was Jurassic Park on VHS. And I destroyed that VHS. Yeah. Like, I would watch it every single day. And if you asked me to watch it every single day right now, I would because that's how enjoyable yeah. it is. But there are too many duds. Jurassic Park is a marvel. I will give it that. That is an amazing film and an amazing, like, that's an accomplishment. If yeah. you think about, like, there the time it was like made, it. there was nothing like that. There still is nothing like that. It is amazing. So I'll mm-hmm. give him that. But generally speaking, I think he's kind of overrated. And I do love the Indiana Jones films too. Yeah. Like that's that's my childhood watching them, sitting them down, watching them with my dad. Like yeah. it's a fun. Although that's a f- Temple of Doom has not aged well. No, but I that's also still my favorite because there's <laughs> Indian people in it. Because Amrish Puri is in yeah. it. I'm like, oh, this one's my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
But we don't eat brains. We don't eat monkey brains. We don't. No. One thing I want to ask you before we get the sequel prequel ideas is how do you feel about the fact that Mm -hmm. I picked this? I actually enjoyed that you did pick this because as much as I said, like the second I saw Stanley Kubrick production and it all Mm. came back to me, that's a Taylor Swift line. Yeah. (laughs) And it all came back to me. Um, and I, you know, it sort of tarnished my viewing. I didn't mm-hmm. really get to go into it blind. I do think if I did go into it blind, I would have been like, what is this? Yeah. And it is a really, it's it's really interesting to see one of the world's greatest directors of all time yeah. meet with somebody who is recognized as yeah. one of the world's greatest directors <laughs> of all time. Nice subtlety there, Mita. <laughs> and and see what comes out of that. Yeah. And you you really get an idea of like, what it is to be a director, what it means to be an auteur in a yeah. lot of ways. Does the word auteur define, does it have to be writer and director? Yeah. I forget from film class. Oh, it does. Okay. But you get an a, a idea of people's this. sensibilities. Steven Spiel- yeah. Like they, Steven Spielberg wrote. Oh, okay. Steven Spielberg so, wrote this. So then there you go. Which you get an idea of maybe what it so is terrible. to be an auteur and what I, um, I have a, an appreciation for my own taste now, sometimes I second guess myself. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, "Am I? do I have bad taste? And like, yes, I do love a Cinderella story, yeah. but for my own sentimental reasons. Yeah. But this did remind me of like, no, 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 I, I can tell, you know, what is going to be great and yeah. what is not going to be great. And I can also tell that like, I think Stanley Kubrick came from a different time than Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. and a, a lot of his... The work that he's put into his films and what he does is very different from the work that Steven Spielberg has put Mm -hmm. into it. And I almost get the sense that like, yes, Steven Spielberg has worked hard and he's had these like incredible discoveries in making films like Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. But I think, did we give him too much clout for him to then sort of cruise along? Yeah. Whereas I think Stanley, he had the clout, but he almost as a person was too reserved for that. Yeah. And, like, he didn't have to cruise. Or didn't he would... think it was good to cruise. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, didn't make a film every two years to come out. And didn't, like, set out, like, this is going to be my Oscar film this yeah. year. This will be my summer blockbuster this year. This will be this. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just really interesting what Hollywood can do. Yeah. Yeah. I also think this is a movie that you start and you understand very early on this isn't going to be a good movie. Oh, Yeah. Like, the second you see somebody in, like, a frozen cylinder, I thought of Austin Powers. Yeah. <laughs> I was kind of like, oh, this is... You can kind of feel early on. For me, it was that first scene where I was just like, oh, we're doing an introduction paragraph to this movie. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this is this is not going to end well. I mean, I was like... Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> Do you have any sequel prequel ideas? I actually... So, as I mentioned before, there are a lot of different aspects to this that I, and that I thought were really interesting. Yeah. The one that... I'm really pulled away by, well, there's two. The first one is this idea of the prodigal son returning Mm. and the sort of competitiveness between real son and fake son and what real son is willing to do to like destroy the fake son. I think that that would be really interesting. And I thought, what would Stanley Kubrick do? Like what ends would he go to to try to tell us that story? And then I also do think the over, like the actual idea of creating these robots and creating them to eventually love somebody, to have artificial intelligence fall in love, mm-hmm. is really interesting. And I like all those scenes with um, William. Why am I forgetting Hurt. his last name? Hurt. Thank you. And the idea that he mimicked this robot to look like his own dead child. Yeah. Like I think there's a really interesting story there that could have been explored. But if you want to watch a movie about artificial intelligence and falling in love, I will suggest you watch Free Guy, which is available oh, on Disney Plus. Yeah, I think that they're it's a different kind of story, yeah. but it's it's there. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Oh, there was one more thing I wanted yeah. to point out though. Please. Okay. Last week we watched All the President's Men, mm-hmm. which had Jason Robards in it. Mm-hmm. And do you know who plays the father Henry in this movie? Oh, is that him? That's his son, oh. Sam Robards. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's also the he's the son of Jason Robards and Lauren Bacall. Okay. So like, yeah, and he's also Nate's dad on Gossip Girl. So. Oh my God, that's his claim to fame, <laughs> Nate's dad. Nate's dad, the captain, the captain or the arch? No, some Captain Archibald. Yeah. Well, Mita figures that out. I am going to go <laughs> into my rating. Okay, yeah, go for it. The reason this episode is so short is because this movie is just a hot mess. 
<laughs> and there really isn't much nice you can say about it. The I think, Mita, you really do describe it the best. There's so many good ideas in this, and they're just all executed poorly. Mm-hmm. It's just full of great ideas and great concepts and great questions and things that I think a movie, someone should make a movie that does discuss these things because they are so interesting. Yeah. I think one movie should not have tried to do all of it. No. At the end of the day, that is the first problem. The second problem is that I said that every movie or a movie should have emotional like backbones in them because that's mm-hmm. essentially what keeps you watching them. This movie has an emotional like backside with like a giant ass and like it's just so much emotion. It's just so much and it's just too much. You don't need this much you know, I mean, that's really laughing. Oh at that line. my god, yeah. Becky, look, look at her butt. Look at her emotion. It's, it's just so, so big, big and round. It's just too much of it. It's just out there. And it's not done well. There are movies that you can watch that are very emotional and full of like full of that emotion. This should not be that movie because it just oscillates off like it goes back and forth and it it can't maintain it. I don't know what Steven Spielberg was trying to do here. I think it's such a poorly made film and it's so it's weird because I'm saying it's such a poorly made film and it's not good and it's probably one of Steven Spielberg's worst films and it's two and a half hours and it's too long but you should still watch it mm-hmm. because I think especially as a film goer and especially as a film buff this is kind of an important film to really see how and you'll never know you'll never see stanley kubrick's ai versus steven spielberg's ai this is kind of the closest we're ever going to get to two directors of who have very different styles and ethics about filmmaking making the same film and this is the closest thing we're going to get and i think for that reason alone it is a fascinating film to watch because you can see stanley kubrick weaved in and out of here and you can see that flesh fair, like that whole sequence and all of that, the, my, the whole time I'm like, oh, what Stanley Kubrick could have done with this? Could have done with that. Would have been haunting. Mm-hmm. But Steven Spielberg does not have the mentality or doesn't have the like the sentimentality to do that because he's so focused on the Pinocchio-ness of the movie that he takes these things for granted. And they also come off hokey. Like the flesh fair could have been a lot darker. It could have been a lot like scarier and i think that was yeah. kind of the idea but it kind of comes off a little hee-haw mm-hmm. and i it just it's it, it well even with the like when they go to go see that robin williams character what's he called doctor or something oh yes yeah what the hell was that <laughs> it's like and that's what i'm saying i'm forgetting some of the most terrible things about this movie because they're just there's so many bad ideas in here and they're yeah. bookended by so many good ideas so it is a lot of film you should watch it because mm-hmm. it is an example, it is an example, especially for film buffs and filmmakers of like what can go wrong and how two people can make have such different ideas about a film. So it is a fascinating yeah. experiment in that. As a standalone movie, it's just not great. And for that, I give it two stars. Two stars from Nadim. Yeah. Alrighty. <laughs> I mean, you said everything that I'm thinking in my <laughs> mind. A couple things popped up as you were talking, though. It's just like. Uh, so I recently decided to rewatch all of the Batman films. Yeah. I should have talked about that. Oh, you absolutely should have, yeah. <laughs> and this movie reminds me so much of the Joel Shoemaker Batmans. <laughs> and that it's yeah. just like, it's a gay man's fever dream of yeah. like all these things occurring at once. And that is what, like when you talked about the flesh fair specifically, I think it would be really smart if you're interested in watching this. I think people should watch A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. And then they should watch this. And I think if you watch A Clockwork Orange, you could see what he could do and what he would have done. And it's interesting that you say that because even like, for instance, when they they take those tunnels into the Rouge City or whatever it is. And it's like. And it looks like a vagina. It looks like a vagina or it's meant to look like a woman like giving oral sex. Wait, did you recognize Adrian Grenier? Yes, I did. Yeah. (laughs) In his like two bit role. But like there's bits of Stanley Kubrick in like the set design and things like that. And that's where I mean, like this movie is almost asking for nudity. It's asking for like violence. It's asking for sex. It's asking for things. If you want to show it. It's asking to be treated bad. It's asking. But it is. And it's a (laughs) movie that's meant to show like 
graphicness that yeah. would display so like you could get so far with it but but it's watch wasted. a clockwork orange yeah. and watch this and i think you'll get an idea of what it, it is like what it could have been yeah. what could have been and i think that's the really fascinating part about watching this movie is the what ifs yeah. and if you are somebody who is who understands stanley kubrick and has watched a few of his films um i think it is a really interesting watch and i'm glad you picked it because we have watched quite a few mm-hmm. of his on this podcast you can listen to those episodes mm, too if you want but yeah we have watched a few of them and i can totally see his sensibilities in some in what was the original treatment and like where this movie could have gone and then it really does turn into a steven spielberg affair yeah. with just like all of the cheese that you could ever imagine and at the same time with all that it is kind of fun to watch this it's fun to watch like a dumpster fire <laughs> in a way of just like but why? I kept asking myself, <laughs> and why? And why? There's a lot of thought thoughts that occur. Maybe they're not great thoughts, but, but they do happen. It is, it is, like I said, it is a ton of great ideas just not laid out properly and not treated correctly. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just going back to that notion of the what if of it. And like, that's what's really the most appealing part. And then I think to myself, is a movie a good movie if you're wondering what could have been done to it instead? No, not at all. No, not yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> so this is not a good movie. And one of the things that I noted like when I was doing my research after watching it is that there were a ton of critics after the fact. Once they found out that Steven Spielberg was like, no, Stanley actually picked this stuff and I picked this. They went back on their word and they were like, oh, this was good. Because... <laughs> I was like, get a pair of balls, yeah. <laughs> like stick to your guns. He took something that could have been amazing and he made it utter trash. Yeah. You should still watch it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because we have to experience the bad yeah. to appreciate the good. Yeah. And so you should still watch it. I know my explanation here was like a hot mess of thoughts, but so was the movie. I do think so was the movie. And, and I guess the two just go hand in hand yeah. together. I'm the Steven Spielberg of this podcast and Nadim is the Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> no, that's not a, that's yeah. not at all true. So for that, I I am going to give it one and a yeah. half yeah, stars. Go. That half star is for my friend Haley Joel Osmond because he actually plays a very convincing yeah. robot boy. <laughs> There's actually not many other actors that could like it's not something Macaulay Culkin could have done at the time or like. You know, well, no, he's too old. At that no, time. but even I'm just saying, like even child <laughs> yeah. actors who were like that age, like fine, not at the oh, time. Imagine if Stanley Kubrick made this in the 80s, though, and like the child that he would have tortured. <laughs> yeah, I know <laughs> that poor child. That poor child, seriously. Yeah, and Where also is the little boy from The Shining. The one thing I want to say is that even if Stanley Kubrick's ideas at where the like even the aliens at the end that last half hour, even if that is Stanley Kubrick's, it would have been so creepy. It would have been. So much it would, cooler. Yeah, so much cooler. It was not meant to be this like cheesy scene where the aliens and the, the robots just get along. That scene where the alien comes into his bedroom and they sit on the bed and have a talk. I'm like, what kind of garbage is this? Let's be real. If this was made by Stanley Kubrick, it would have been four hours long. <laughs> that last yeah. part, that last part of the movie, there would have been a whole sequence in which you saw what happened to the humans because we find out the yeah. humans are extinct there would have been a sequence of like robot destroying yeah. mankind or like lights. and it would have been amazing yeah, absolutely and we didn't get it we were not afforded that and so um, part of me is just like if you're if he's not gonna make it i don't want it no <laughs> like why did we still have to maybe have maybe nerf can do it let's pitch it to him let's pitch it to denny yeah he must not be busy no he's not it's not like they just announced Doom Another, 2. I, he's got two years for yeah. that. <laughs> you can do this in the meantime. Just rush it at the end. You do your best yeah. work when you're stressed out. <laughs> but yes, that was AI artificial intelligence. A complete Very waste much. of a good idea. <laughs> oh my God, that is the perfect. Yeah. That should be the IMDb description. <laughs> yeah, complete waste of what could have been a great movie. A complete waste of a great idea, yeah. though, makes sense. Like, that robot is a great idea, yeah. but it was a complete waste. Complete waste. <laughs> there you go. But that's <sighs> enough of Steven Spielberg and his cheese, Mita. Yummy. Because I l- usually love cheese. I know. But right mm-hmm. now, it's time to play. Different characters. Same world. Fa-la-la-la-la. Because it's Christmas time. It is. And you're going to pick a real Christmas movie this time? 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It's not the two I picked is not are two that people like automatically yeah, yeah. think about. Yeah. So there's that. Okay. I don't think you're going to guess this. Okay, fair enough. But I'll try my best. And one of them was really hard to find a character for. Okay. So, yes. Good. Cool. Okay. Cool story, bro. So, Nadim, are you ready? Yes, Mitha. I'm ready. Your character names are Patricia Hallman, hey. Guy Johnson, <laughs> and Professor Marvel. Okay. And your timer starts now. Who's <sighs> Professor Marvel? Is it a Marvel movie? It's not a Marvel oh movie. Actually, yeah. It's a well-known, like, classic movie. I will give you that for Professor Marvel. Should I know it? Um, You will. You should know it, but I don't think people realize that this is the character's name. Okay. Okay. What are the other two? Patricia. Got Patricia Hallman, okay. which that's the one I don't think you could okay. would get at all. The other one is Guy Johnson. Guy. You're really emphasizing Guy. <laughs> Guy Johnson. I don't Guy know. Guy Johnson. Oh, and then you have 20 seconds yeah, you're left. You're going to have to tell me the actors, and then we'll go from there at the end of this. Okay. I have no Should clue. I wait the whole no, 15 we're gonna, seconds? we're going to do the right thing. We're going to wait 15 seconds. Okay. We're down to 10. 10 9, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Zero. Okay. Okay. Give me the actors. So James Stewart is Guy Johnson in It's a Wonderful Life. Okay. Or no, not It's a Wonderful What is the one that we watched last year? It's a Wonderful Life. It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. Okay. Margaret Sullivan is Patricia Hallman in a movie that name I'm forgetting right now. I think it's like The, the Three Comrades or something. I don't. Okay. This was the one I was like, he's not going to okay, get okay, it at okay. all. And then Frank Morgan is Professor Marvel in The Wizard of Oz. He's oh. fake Oz. Oh, so we're watching an old movie. We're watching an old movie. Old Christmas movie that is not It's a Wonderful Life, but stars James Stewart. Yes. Is I have another a clue. A Christmas Carol? No. I have another clue for you if you would like yeah, it. one more clue before we... Um, This movie, in a way, was sort of remade in the early 2000s. Late 90s, early 2000s. But it's also not considered a conventionally Christmas movie. But it does partake in the holiday times. Oh, just, just tell me. I have no idea. We are watching The Shop Around the Corner. Okay. Yes. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. Have you ever heard of You've Got Mail? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay. okay. So it's, yeah. It's, oh. uh, You've okay. Got Mail borrows some sensibilities from The Shop Around the Corner. Okay. Yeah. Interesting, Nita. I have yeah. never heard of this. It is from 1940. Oh, Jesus. Good. Good. So black and white. Black and white. Okay. All right, Nita. This is interesting. Yeah. Okay. It's I, an, honestly, I, it, I'm excited to see a movie I've never even heard of. There you go. Yeah. Well, there the you go. Shop it's Around the Corner? The Shop Around the Corner. Shop You're going to have to rent it. Okay. That's fine. Because it's from 1940. Yeah. <laughs> and it's... Um, oh, I own it, Nita. That's okay. <laughs> Christmas, romance, comedy. Yeah. Jimmy Stewart. James Stewart. What can go wrong? Yeah. Nothing. Okay. There you go. Well, that'll be interesting for next week. Yeah. But until then, Mita, do you have any parting words? I do. Mm-hmm. I have more than one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cyrus. Socrates. Particle. Decibel. Hurricane. Dolphin. Tulip. See, that feels very Stanley Cuban. But she didn't even say it right. When she was saying it, I was like, why is there so much like joy in your voice right now? <laughs> <laughs> there should not be this much excitement. Yeah. I bet you Stanley picked those words. He did, apparently. And apparently that's the original list of words that he picked. There you go. <laughs> Love you, Stanley. Stan. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for A Shop Around the Corner. The Shop the Around the Corner. The Shop Around the Corner. Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.